Welcome back to the Experience Growth Podcast, focused on the six pillars of living an experiential life, our career, our relationships, our personal growth, our health, our wealth, and our spirituality. A few weeks back, I had the opportunity to speak to some of real estate's most successful business owners about each one of these pillars. They were hand-selected to talk about a pillar that they demonstrate so well uh, in their business and in their personal life. Today, I want to share my conversation with Abe Shreve around personal growth. Abe, you are the CEO of Maps Business Coaching. And the reason why that is, is relevant, Abe, is that it isn't real estate. Like our conversations that experience growth, yeah, I'm in real estate, so they tend to go down that path. But the conversations you have transcend real estate. They're outside of the real estate world. For us today, maybe tell people a little bit about who you are, and then we want to get you to define what personal growth is. Chris, thank you. And what an amazing group of folks that you have here today. The benefit of being a coach is that I know what I know because I get to work with these people. You you have several people here today that I've been blessed to be in a coaching relationship with. And Coaching is different than coaching is different than being the authority because it's a partnership in someone else's journey. And I don't know that you and I have the, I don't know it's possible for us to partner in another's journey and not be on one, not be on a journey Mm -hmm. ourselves. In other words, there's no arrival point. I really feel that there's no place where I now know, and you don't know, and I'll tell you that's to me, that's the beautiful part of coaching is even here at maps business. We say our mission is We create sacred partnerships that require the best in us to bring out the best in them. In other words, effective coaching means we're personally growing, requires the best of us in life. And it is clunky and it is messy. And Chris, I feel like a newborn giraffe half the time. And I like to share that because I think a lot of times, especially in this world of social media, we can look at others and feel like they just have it so worked out. And I love this group you have because the people that are here don't shy away from sharing the challenges and the vulnerabilities, which I think is important because as a coach, I've learned that behind the curtain, everyone has a struggle and I'm no different than that. No different at all. And so for me, personal growth is, I want to say this in a way that it doesn't get lost as a fancy catchphrase, but it's something that we can all identify with. So to me, personal growth is an unwillingness to settle into life. It's an unwillingness, even a desire to not be a person that just settles into life. I don't know. I don't think you and I will ever reach our max potential. And to me, that's the great gift of it is that there's always somewhere to grow. And I I have motivators for that. I have a I have an amazing wife that will be married 25 years in just a few months, and I have four children, and I believe, I believe kids learn what they can do in life by watching what their parents do, and mm-hmm. Teresa and I feel very strongly that we want to be the very best versions of ourselves because that's how you live a great life, and there are those watching that we've been given this beautiful stewardship over that we're going to model for. We're going to model that. So that's that's personal. That's my reason for wanting to grow so much personally. I think I want to take two parts of that real quick. One, for those of us with children, it seems to get easier, right? It seems to get easier in the sense that it gives us, um, it gives us constant motivation and accountability to make sure that we're growing because if we're not, we'll get called out on the fact that we're not. But your definition of being unwilling to never settle into life, I love that definition. And immediately, I want to ask your perspective on 
And how do you prevent from being anxious? How do you prevent from constantly not feeling settled peace? Or do, do they live at odds with each other? So you're asking the exact right question. And I'm going to, I'm preparing to take a, I'm not going to hop off the ledge of the predominant, the predominant verbiage in the world of self-improvement. I'm going to run into a full gainer and get away from it. Here it is. We know that our actions and our habits influence our thoughts and vice versa. But here's the real reason to live intentionally and to have goals. And I've actually made some notes of things that are right along what you've said. Here's the real reason to have those things. They serve as a reset in life, a reset. You and I are going to get off track all the time. And when you said it's easy when you have kids because you got to stay in front of them, I actually think the opposite. I think it's easy to say, oh, the kids, I was up late. I couldn't do this this morning because I have this and because I have that. I mean, four kids in a world like today, when I was a kid, we used to grow up, we would leave and our parents would say, be back before dark. But it seems like every kid is on a different team and that's a whole other conversation. Let's, we should have that sometime, that'd be fun. But I, but I actually think it makes, there's ne it's never gonna be easy. It's never gonna be easy to say, I wanna live my best life. However, living the best life means I'm gonna mess this up and I'm okay with that. And I'm going to have incremental improvement. So when you said live anxious, we celebrate the failures in our family as much as we do anything else. And I can give you an example of yesterday. I have an eight-year-old daughter, this, this sassy little thing that runs our little jerk water operation at home. Her name's Aaliyah. And she's, she, we, at our church, there's a specific congregation of seniors, older people. Most of them have had a spouse that's passed away. And we were asked, would, would Aaliyah come and sing a song? She's never sang publicly like this. And she went and sang this beautiful song. I cheated and recorded it. <clears throat> But right in the middle, she messed up and she went like this, uh, over the microphone, uh, and then she kind of laughed a little and then just went on. The song was beautiful. I was so proud of the moment that she goofed it up and then found herself and kept going. I was so, I, I was so emotional over it. That is the spirit that we want to take into our goals and to achieving. It's we're going to lean into the heavy lifting of learning these things. And it's tough. When I wrote some things down here, Chris. And one of the things that I wrote down was plan every day, a period of time for just heavy lifting. And can I explain that? Can I give you a personal example? Yeah. So I'm pretty active physically. And for 25 years of my adult life, I've been a rock climber and I've always had these big goals and I had to be in shape for them. But in 2018, there in Northern California, there's a a place called Yosemite and they have a big rock there called El Capitan. And I've, uh, I had a goal ever since I first put a rope on my waist that I would one day climb El Cap. Most people take three to five days. And I found my way to great, my gift is not how well I climb. My gift is talking much better climbers than me into climbing with me. <laughs> it's a gift. And I, I found my, I, I started climbing El Cap and it's a vertical Ironman in, in so many ways. It's three times the height of the Empire State Building and it's, and the last time I did it was in November of 2018. And my wife was down in the meadow. We did it in eight hours and 15 minutes. So it's all relative to some that's fast to some that's slow, but to 99.9% .9 of the climbing world, that's really fast. And I remember when I came down, I said to her, I don't, I'm not saying I'm done climbing. She's never heard me talk like this. I'm not saying I'm done, but I'm not saying I'm not done. And I, I was done. I've actually was hmm. done. And so I found myself in this place over the last two years where I, I didn't have something, I didn't have a goal out there. And I actually had some lost identity, believe it or not, and kind of all of those things. And 
I wanted to find something that would push me because I was settling into life. I was heavier than I've ever been. I fell out of shape. I, I remember about six months ago, leaning over to do up my shoes and I made a dad noise. And just kind of that realization that my love of Dr. Pepper has outpaced my fitness. And so I started looking for a goal and I really haven't announced this. And I'm not saying this now because I'm making some big reveal. You won't hear me talk a lot about this, but I believe all of us, and, and what I wrote down as my number one pillar for personal growth is we all need something we're vulnerable at and new at where there's not a lot at stake. And that's the important qualifier, where there's not a lot of at stake. We have so much in our lives where there's a lot at stake. And let's have a place in our lives where we're new and vulnerable, where there's nothing at stake. And for me, I have two of those. One of those is I'm, I'm training for a physique competition because I needed that big, scary goal. And standing on a stage in just board shorts with nothing else on in front of people I love horrifies me. It horrifies me. So every day in the gym, I show up and I get ready. When I said time block, time to do the heavy lifting, for the first two and a half weeks, Chris, every morning, I would hold the list of what I'm supposed to eat and it didn't make sense. And it would take me 15 minutes just to get the scoops of stuff in the blender. And now I'm three weeks in and I, I understand it, but I remember that felt so heavy and so clunky. I just kept doing it. And a couple of times I didn't get the mixture right. doesn't matter because these, because tomorrow I'm going to have this same time block and I'm going to work on this again and I'll get a little better. And, and that's what I mean about time blocking moments to do the have to, to be clunky and to do the heavy lifting and to do the learning. A great example for real estate is CRM. You know, we, we have a tendency in the real estate world to say we need a better system, but I don't want to learn that. I don't want to learn, especially if you're the rainmaker. I don't want to learn that. I just make it rain. I pay people to do that. And we push it off and we don't know enough to even manage it. So that thing that we don't know and we're unwilling to stop and learn about holds us hostage in a lot of ways. And taking some time in the day to sit down and just go through and learn a few functions and come back tomorrow in the same time block and be clunky again and learn a little bit more. To me, in, when I look at personal growth, it is clunky. It's very, but the, once you get that, it becomes very rewarding. You've seen evidence of that in the other people that talked. I, I know Dan very well. I'm inspired by Dan and anyone that's done an Ironman to me is amazing, but the way he's done it blows my mind. But I can tell you that there were many times it was just hard on him. And he just got his first steps going and then it showed up. And Sarah talking about her relationship with her husband and planning date night. Teresa and I are the same as anyone else where we get busy, we get running and we have to plan time to stop and, and actually have date night. And we, when we're sticking to that, we are better parents. I'm a better leader for my company. I'm better in every aspect. And so I would say, have something new in your life. This is the greatest kind of advice, because if you don't like it, you can just throw it out. It's worth everything you're paying for it. Have something new in your life that makes you vulnerable and new, but there's nothing at stake. It's interesting enough to push you. Have, because that discipline will carry over to those things that have a lot at stake. And because they have a lot at stake, we have a tendency to get confused. I love that. I think that last sentence, like many of us take on new, right? And vulnerable and you're right, especially right now in the world, everything is always at stake and, and it just adds this undue pressure. So it's the perfect response that you had written down before the question actually, but the perfect response to like, how do we not stay ultra anxious all the time if we're on this path of personal growth? 
I do have a question that I want to ask you, and I don't want to forget. I've been wanting to ask you this question for a while, and it's based on my observation of what happens with those that are ultra committed to personal growth. And I oftentimes hear, I've heard people use their commitment to personal growth and they are on this journey and they are growing. And unfortunately, I'm I'm using their quote, and unfortunately, I've just outgrown some people that are around me. I've outgrown my spouse. Like I really wish they wanted to grow like I do, but we're just in different places. And to me, and again, this is, I can share this because I'm giving my opinion only. To me, it's a cop-out. To, com- to me, that's not fair. To me, that's an excuse that you've grown and those, those other people around you have not grown with you. So you tap out. Now, my question to you, and, and I've sh- I'm sure you've heard that too, is how do we make sure that if we are on that journey of personal growth, that we're bringing people with us or we're allowing them to be on their journey at different paces, at different times, growing differently. Like I, I just, you are, you have worked with some of some people that have seen some of the most incredible growth that I've watched. How do you work with them on that? How much time do we have? We have three hours to talk about this. <laughs> well, what I will tell you is that early in my coaching career, I would, if you think about what a coach does, it's these 30 minute, just micro focused sections of time. Can you imagine talking to people like Kimber and Dan, like everybody that's on this call, you, Chris, you have these 30 minute moments and you're put in this position as a coach. And many of us feel this way in the professional leadership roles that we have in our organization. We play this role, we're seen a certain way and we're on, we're always on. And I would go home and my wife would say to me, oh, I just, I can't ever get ahead because of the kids. And my head would explode. And because I'm like, are you serious? Because don't say that word, don't say can't. Like I'd vomit all this crap on her. And you know what's crazy, Chris? This is kind of wild. People pay me a lot of money to coach them. And my wife was not interested in my coaching. Can you, can you, believe, can you even believe, can you believe that? And by the way, I'm, if you're not reading the sarcasm, she shouldn't, I shouldn't go home and coach. And so I remember, and I'm getting to the answer to your question. I remember saying to her, honey, I want to explain to you. I want to be better at this. I want to come home, your partner. And here's what happens at work. I do these calls, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. I get all, it, it feeds me and I get really intense. And I, this intense language is what the, my clients love me to bring to the call. But when I come home and you say to me, don't coach us here, I get, I feel inwardly, I feel this really defensive thing. Is there, what could you say that would signal me that I'm doing it? And she said, well, what if I said, don't coach me? I'm like, no, it can't be that. We've got to design a phrase. Now, I have a dear friend of mine that's an expert in the relationship communication space named Matt Townsend. Maybe some of you have met Matt. And Matt talks about you pre-plan your fights. And we love Matt. And so we recognize that, I recognize that I need something that causes, that signals me but allows me to step into you know, the right role. And so Teresa was the one that came up with it. Here's what she said. What if I asked you, are you in executive mode? And that sounds good, doesn't it? Executive mode. We all wanna be in executive mode. And I said, yeah, do that. So we taught the kids, sat them down. I realized sometimes I come home intense. I don't wanna do that. And it was just within a day or so I came home. She goes, honey, are you in executive mode? And it just hit, I, hit me and I said, am I doing it? And she said, maybe a little, do you wanna go for a run? And I said, yeah. And the kids, by the way, the kids took this strategy and put flashed it into a club and beat me with it for the first year. Dad's in executive mode. The point that I want to make is we have to find a way to be the right person with the right people at the right time. 
And I think sometimes in the world of high achievement, we view every relationship as if they're not running at a maximum 100, then I've outgrown them. They're no longer who I am. But not every relationship can run like that. And not every relationship should run like that. There are people in our lives that, are, that play different roles in our journey that when we stop the world and see them eye to eye and meet them there and focus with them and talk about love and relationships and slow life down, then we come back to high performance better. And so I would say, as it relates to family, before someone says, I've outgrown them, they're not learning based, I wanna ask, are you being the best partner? Are you focused on their needs before your own? And if you are, only then can you start to discuss, can you start to discuss, you know, what you could do as a couple, but man, alive, if you're a great leader, then be a great leader in your relationship, be a coaching leader. Now, as it relates to, it's a little different in my opinion for friends. And this was one of the things I wrote down as number two, my number two pillar for personal growth, be intensely intentional about who you put around you. Now, I, I place an incredibly high stake on friendship. And do we got time for me to share one more personal thing? Yep. These more. are all personal, right? You're good. Any respect you guys had for me before is probably flittering away, but I'm good with it because I'm growing. I've always, I've been blessed with incredible friends in life. And I don't know if it's the combination of this virtual world or just, I enjoy my partners I work with so much or what, but I've, I haven't had these friends around me. Oh, and part of it is rock climbing. I always had that. I always had this group where we'd meet and go climb rocks. And now I, I don't do that. And so my wife has these dear friends. Isn't this, what you would, isn't this what you would want for anyone you care about? Wouldn't you want them to have dear friends? And, but I found myself, I'm embarrassed to say this, Chris, but I found myself a little inwardly jealous and kind of with this paradox of I realized that I only want the best for her, but I want, why aren't I her person? And I talked to her about it. We're good to talk about these things. And I just explained it to her, I want this for you. And I feel these feelings. And she, she was really a great coach for me. And what I realized is I actually have not been seeking meaningful friendship in my life. I've let it happen with people I'm working with. And I no longer have this nucleus of activity that brings me together with like-minded people. I actually needed to identify people that I wanted to spend more time with and find and engage them and go find a way to put them in my life. I've done that. And I cannot express to you enough how much it's enhanced my life experience. I am much more, I bring so much more to the table for the people I'm working with and to, to my wife, who's the most important person in the world to me and to my kids. Emerson said, Ralph Waldo Emerson said that, he, he said, I reckon friendship to be the masterpiece of nature. And to me, I place such a high value on friendship. Remember, we're talking about personal growth. I place such a high value on friendship that what I did, this will sound so clunky, is I called up someone that we've always gotten, we've always gotten along well. We've always talked about doing stuff. When we see each other, it's always warm. But I called him up and I said, I'm looking for a friend. I think it might be you. We should probably do stuff because as guys, it'd be weird if I said, you want to get together and talk, <laughs> but we'll talk as we do something and Anyway, now he meets me every morning and we work out and the workout's great. He's stronger than me. That's great too. But it's the talk, it's the morning talks that have just centered me. So let me just, I know we're coming to the end. Let me just run through these really fast. Number one, be vulnerable at something, be new at something where there's not a lot at stake. Be intensely intentional about who you put around you and seek meaningful friendship. Plan time every day for the clunky heavy lifting. We're not great at everything. 
that doesn't mean we can't, we're not learning machines that we don't continually learn and process. Just plan time to be clunky, just to lean into the heavy lifting of being new and weird, having it be weird. Just two more, if I could, Chris, don't be, and this group you've got is a perfect example of this as you are as well. Don't be great alone. Don't be great alone. I, you said it, Chris, you said sometimes those spontaneous touches mean more. Don't they to all of us? Don't they mean more to all of us when someone reaches out and says, hey, you were on my mind. I saw this reminded me of you. I'm just grateful for you. So don't be great alone. Don't pursue these things alone. And I think sometimes when we go to social media and we vomit all the amazing things we're doing, we get the fix we're looking for. And, and maybe it's time to quiet that down a little and go to people and invest in those people individually. And then number five, realize that goals are stars by which we are guided. They're not sticks which, with which we beat ourselves. That's not a quote by me. That was said by a lady named Barbara B. Smith. And what, what I mean by that is clearly define goals and habits, guide us in our daily activities towards what we want most, and they provide clear reset points for when we get off track. And I don't care if you get off track every day, if you're clear on how to get back on track. Hey, Bob, um, appreciate you sharing on this topic of personal growth and how if we aren't focused on that pillar, if we aren't growing, if we aren't getting more interesting each day, if we're not developing self, we're not going to be able to develop others. And, and so we won't have those friendships to be able to live experientially with. And perhaps my favorite conversation came right at the beginning, that if we're going to be a partner with someone, we better be on that journey with someone where we're, the relationship is the journey as well. Growth is that journey. And I think as I internalize how to answer those that say, gosh, I've outgrown, it also means that they just chose not to take someone on the journey with them. And I yeah. think that isn't the other person that then becomes on us as well. So love that. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you greatly. Mm -hmm.